This is In Focus from Control Risks, the global specialist risk consultancy. Each episode of In Focus brings you in-depth analysis and perspective from a different corner of our global network of experts. My name is Tom Griffin. I'm the partner for our Middle East and Africa region. And today I'll be taking a close look at how environmental, social and governance or ESG issues have become a far more pressing issue in Africa as a result of COVID-19 and what we believe will be the critical and heightened role that DFIs, development finance institutions will play in supporting companies to prioritize some of these challenges in the coming year. I will be joined today by Joanna Turner, who is our geomarket lead for East Africa and based in Kenya. Joanna is also a partner within our consulting business. So welcome, Joe. Hi, Tom. Good to be here this afternoon. Thanks. And also Clara Bonner, consultant in our business intelligence practice in Africa. Hi, Clara. Hi, Tom. Thanks so much for having me today. Both Joanna and Clara work with a number of our DFI clients across Africa and have been talking to a number of them about some of their evolving ESG priorities and indeed how they manage and mitigate this kaleidoscope of challenges within their own organizations, but also the portfolio companies that they manage. So let's dive straight into the first question. Joanna, so you've been working in the region for over a decade now, and you've seen this risk landscape of the continent evolve quite dramatically, I think. You know, control risks have been helping companies in the ESG space for, for quite some time now. Um, but how have you seen COVID-19 directly impact those companies and that landscape? I think you're absolutely right. We've seen ESG issues really increase in prominence amongst the kind of broader risk landscape. So I think there's been a real kind of steady upward trend, both in terms of ESG investing. So companies who are looking to invest in companies who prioritize ESG issues, but also in terms of ESG management. So how companies are actually managing and, and operationally dealing with some of these issues. So I think really over the last kind of five to seven years, we've seen a real kind of increase in focus on these issues. But I think I think, you know, really, as with any unforeseen crisis, and I think it is fair to say this is an unforeseen crisis, it's really hard to anticipate how businesses will respond. I think particularly when there's been really little scenario planning over the pandemic. If you look at a lot of the articles that have been written around this, this has really been called the ESG stress test, actually. You know, will ESG survive this risk landscape, this new challenge? And I think it's safe to say it absolutely has. I think actually, in some ways, the COVID pandemic has really increased the focus on ESG and ESG issues in, in a couple of ways, really. So I think firstly, there's been a much greater focus on some of the S issues. So that's the social issues that we look at. And in particular, I think we've seen a real focus on this kind of management of workforce issues. So managing, looking after your workforce, prioritizing jobs, but also balancing that with how you make the right financial decisions in a really challenging financial situation like we are now. Those kind of social issues of labor welfare, protecting jobs, looking at you know governance issues have really actually grown in prominence. 
The second thing we've really seen is around the protection of workers and workers' rights, and obviously kind of health and safety issues for workers more generally as they look at returning to work and, and those issues. I think the second thing that's kind of increased is, is looking at the resilience of companies to manage some of these issues. I think that's just been cast in a much harsher light. Those companies that have got good crisis management plans in place that do have robust ESG policies are just withstanding this a little bit better than those who don't. And I think, again, the kind of curtain has been drawn aside and we can see much more clearly which companies have, have looked at these issues really well. And I think thirdly, and this is something we look at a little bit with companies, is environmental and social risk management systems more broadly have just been tested in all ways that I think we didn't really sort of see possible. And I think particularly around that is looking at business resilience and looking at how companies are able to, to bounce back. And that's one of the issues that just isn't always prioritized within ESG. But I think really now companies are looking at how either their third parties or companies that they've invested in are able to bounce back from this. So I think it's safe to say COVID has served as a wake-up call for, for some companies who haven't necessarily been prioritizing ESG principles, but as a real encouragement for those that have, looking at East Africa more broadly and vulnerable markets such as those in Africa and particularly in the kind of fragile and conflict states that, that we see, the protection of workers is really going to be a priority. And I think we just can't neglect that in prioritizing the economic recovery. Clara, turning to you, so a lot of your work centers around governance-related issues, specifically as it relates to DFIs. What are some of the governance issues that have become more prominent during this period of COVID? During this period of COVID, I think what we would consider to be the most pressing issue of concern would be the threat of corruption in terms of the governance aspect of ESG. The need for our DFIs to swiftly deploy capital to support struggling government institutions in Africa and you know their related public sector work, as well as to support their portfolio companies, to support then the middle class, and then the disintegration of supply chains that has been caused by, by COVID-19 could lead to regulatory shortcuts, given the, the pressing need to distribute capital as quickly as possible. And then this could manifest in two key ways, either the inappropriate or illegal allocation of capital in the form of, for example, bribes, or the appointment of inappropriate people to positions of power, either through nepotism or a resurgence in ghost hires. So that's the most pressing threat we're seeing right now. Post-COVID, I think that we're going to be looking at business ethics and corporate citizenship as the key governance issues facing companies in Africa, which then encompasses a lot of the, the S issues as well that Joe pointed to earlier. Joanna, back to you. I mean, you referenced the sort of rising importance of DFIs. Can you perhaps give us a, a sense as to how critical DFIs have been to the ESG agenda more broadly, and again, how you see that evolving and changing in the current environment of COVID. Companies have faced real challenges during this crisis, trying to balance their commercial viability and their development impact. And obviously, that's where DFIs become involved, is where they're able to kind of give the liquidity or the extension of liquidity that allows companies to both have a commercial return, but also focus on a development impact. And that's things like job creation, supply chain diversification, etc. So I think the roles that DFIs have played during this crisis have been absolutely critical because it's really given companies the support and the focus and the kind of financial support as well to be able to continue to focus on these issues. So I think there's a couple of things that the DFIs have done, which have just really demonstrated how important they've been in this crisis. Firstly, really kind of maintaining 
the focus on on priorities such as job creation and economic growth. I think it's really easy in a situation like this just to focus on your commercial returns. You know, I think we look at it as a company as well, Tom. You know, it's very easy just to strip back to the bare commercials and forget that broader mandate that you have. And I was actually chatting to one of our DFI clients this morning about it, that they've really tried to maintain that focus on particularly on job security, you know, safeguarding jobs. And they've done that through, through sort of easing liquidity or, you know, helping companies adopt different working practices. So I think that's been a, a kind of really one sort of really important factor. I think the second way that they've really helped is, is through technical support. So one of the things DFIs do when they invest is at the start of the investment, they allocate a certain amount of money for technical support. And what they've been able to do during this crisis is a lot of them have provided additional funding for technical support or additional expertise around some of the specific issues that are COVID related. So I think that's been hugely useful to a lot of their kind of portfolio companies. And I think the third thing they're doing, which we mustn't really forget, is that they make sure that the way companies are responding to this crisis doesn't further impact people or the environment. And I think, again, it's very easy for us all to look very short term, but not to look more longer term around this. So I think maintaining that focus on the broader picture, how are companies operating and are they doing it in a sustainable way has been really important. Clara, back to you. How can some of the DFIs, when they look at their portfolio companies, how can they prioritize and hopefully sort of mitigate out some of these issues? As we lay out in the article, we provided five key ways for GFIs to support their portfolio companies. As Joe talked about, that has included offering surge technical support. So DFIs are known to obviously provide capital to their portfolio companies, but DFIs are also, also have a wealth of, of knowledge and expertise internally that is invaluable to their often small, especially in East Africa, where, where Joe and I are based, uh, portfolio companies. And the deployment of this kind of expertise that they have alongside their capital can be critical to their portfolio company's future success, especially as that advice relates to to ESG and especially to the environmental side of things. There can be the introduction of further transparency in the supply chain. This can include using an external monitor to help publish every step of the company's supply chains online on their websites. This can be either just in terms of doing so to promote good governance internally, but it can also be towards working towards an external certification, for example, through through B Lab or or something like that. And again, it's just about testing future continuity and crisis plans for the gaps and weaknesses that DFI's portfolio companies would have in terms of ESG and making through that walkthroughs are done, live exercises are done in order to identify those parts of the company that are most affected by this kind of stress test and then filling those gaps appropriately. Joanna, what are some of the practical recommendations that you and and indeed your colleagues give to to companies who really want to support their portfolio companies or, or investees in terms of how they can more effectively manage these broad range of issues? It was interesting talking to one of our DFIs this morning that she was saying, you know, if you look at the 2008 financial crisis, that's affected everything we've done now until, you know, into where we are, I think, to, to the day. And I think COVID will have the same impact. So I think the first thing is really much more robust scenario planning. 
And I mean, Tom, I'm sure you will have had this in your conversations with clients as well. When you really ask them, you know, how, how did you do your scenario planning? What scenarios did you plan for? How much depth did you look into it? There's a real range of answers to that. Some have done it in, in a lot of depth. Some have done it very lightly. A lot didn't look at pandemic as a possible kind of scenario that we should be looking into. So I think even for clients who did have robust scenario planning in place, really looking at doing this in the future in a much more technical and deep way, really, I think looking at both the impact on business and on operations and on investment, I think critically on supply chains, I think that's what we've really seen from this crisis that for example, things like diversification of supply chains that I think we often see as a sort of tick box in a scenario planning exercise actually needs to be really well planned, particularly if you've got investments in, for example, manufacturing and the logistics sector, those sorts of things will be really important. So I think really in-depth, detailed scenario planning that really drills down into kind of operational plans across all of those scenarios and making sure that those plans are live, that they're not just kind of on the shelf, that actually they're revisited, rediscussed, they're challenged, you know, either with a third party or internally on a pretty regular basis. And I think the second thing is really about testing those business continuity and resilience plans If we walk away with one thing from this going forward, it's about how do we make our businesses resilient? How do we make them resilient going forward? And how do we make them able to recover and and be resilient coming out of this crisis? And one of the practical ways we as a company can really help do that, I think, is around putting in place those business continuity plans, helping clients put in place those return to work plans, you know, bearing in mind that there could be another peak, there could be another resurgence of COVID. So how do we help companies come out of this stronger and more resilient? resilient going forward. And I think, you know, just to close really, that is a critical part of ESG. ESG isn't just about the environmental part or labor issues. It is essentially about building responsible businesses who are able to respond to crises going forward. Thanks very much to both of you for that insight into an area of increasing interest, I think, for many of our clients and companies who we support across the region. Thanks, Tom. Thank you, Tom. If you enjoyed what you heard on this episode of In Focus, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen. And be sure to subscribe to our other podcasts as well, such as The Global Insight, our fortnightly panel discussion exploring the impact of the most pressing issues on global business. All of our podcasts are available wherever you listen. Just search Control Risks. You can follow all of our analysis and find out how we are helping businesses build organizations that are secure, compliant, and resilient by visiting controlrisks.com. Thank you.